welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome and welcome, I guess. This is Jacob Machado. My name is Father Mike. You're new, aren't you? Well, you know, I'm grateful for the invitation. Yeah, it's to great to have you. Talk on this show. Um, is it a Catholic stuff you should know? Radio? Are we on the radio? We are on the radio. Waves. Hi, mom. <laughs> uh, we're back where you started. Where'd you guys first record when you guys first started doing this? In this basement, um, two floors below us. This is we're at the seminary right now. Um, I think it's the office next to mine. It doesn't exist as a studio anymore. Is it now like a broom closet? Probably. Yeah. There was this tiny little love seat type of couch. And then a desk, and there was a, a Mac. You know, there was an old Mac that had like a colored. Oh, yeah, like the original. It was almost like a. I can't do you remember like the this iMac kind of see-through thing? Slightly clear plastic, yeah. and they had like six different colors for the backing. Yeah, and then it still went way back. They rounded. didn't have the flat screen yet. Yeah, I thought those were so cool. And then it had Pro Tools on it, and uh-huh. it was great. It was a great studio, and we had some mics and stuff. And so I think it was called St. Remigius. I don't remember. The room? Father Randy's not going to like that. <laughs> they had a patron, a fun patron that was kind of unique. That was, uh, Is that where you guys did the recordings? Like the um, Liturgy of the Hours songs recordings? That's where it was. Or I was not involved. They, they mixed the, the audio yeah. for it. That happened before my time. And then I inherited the um, production studio that they bought with money from that. Oh, I mean, wow. the, the majority of the money they made off of that very good album. It was called what? The Hours? I think it was The Hours. Cannot find it unless you know somebody. Oh, really? It couldn't be. Uh, they got in trouble for distributing it. Why? They didn't have rights to some of the songs. <laughs> to their own stuff? Oh, that they performed. <laughs> yeah. I see. It's like their own stuff was totally fine. But I think they performed a few that they didn't have rights to record. Oh, I see. And they got in trouble or something. Yeah, you don't think of these things being no. big enough to get in that trouble. That happened to you guys. Yeah. Uh, exactly. But. So anyway, they did a good job with that, and then they most of the, I think the proceeds went to the seminary. That was yeah. the point of it, but they did get a little kick so to help upgrade the studio. Upgrade the studio, and but I think that was mostly John Muir, Father Randy Dollins. I think was involved. Was Father Peter Musset? Yeah, that time? maybe. Yeah, um. probably. But that was before my time, so I had nothing to do with okay. that great project. I was jealous of it though, so. I did produce a Redemptress Mater Christmas album and helped them do all the recording and arranging and the um, editing and stuff. Okay, so I got the... It was a big you, you project. You recorded for them, or at least edited for them. Yeah. I thought you were doing your own Redemptress Mater oh, Kiko yeah. music. Oh, no, I see. And no, no, these were the, <laughs> these uh, missionary seminarians that are part of the neocatechumenal way that were um, Here in the studying alongside us, so... Yep, and they, they do, sang everything. Yeah, they do a Christmas concert. We do a Christmas concert, kind of separate. They might still do year. that, like produce yeah. these albums, but I was the original, baby. <laughs> yeah. OG, Father Mike. Yeah, with I remember it was Warley. Warley, you're too close to the mic with that shaker, dude. <laughs> we can't hear anybody singing <laughs> because you're just shaking right in the mic. <laughs> Warley, back up. And that was my line for that throughout the whole, like, I don't know, two weeks that we were recording. Warley, back up. So I was just at uh, um, Symphony uh, last Friday, um, as I said on the last podcast, but it was the uh, Tchaikovsky's Fourth Symphony, 
and it was if you were the kid that got into band class and you had no musical real like ability and they put you in percussion and you weren't even that good at that so they gave you the triangle this is the symphony for you oh there was a point at the end dude it's killing on the triangle they had like four percussionists there's one like on the really big drum like and then there's a guy on the cymbals just and then like the last guy in the line has a triangle and he's just hitting it every couple times like ting 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 oh yeah stop and then at the very end he'd got the full triangle circle sweep where you hit all sides of the triangle (laughs) and just got the like i was like man Every, you know, I've every never percussionist dream is the the finale to Tchaikovsky's four. I don't actually know that because I'm not a percussionist, but it seems like it would, that be, would a great, be your dream. It'd be a great spot. It's such a good, such a good uh, finale. It's, if you're a composer out there, please write the triangle in triumphantly. You know, <laughs> you know, should. I did wonder, like, why isn't it a square? Why isn't it a hexagon or an octagon? You could get a lot of sounds out of this thing, ringing that thing. Yeah. Eight different sides. But maybe triangle is just right. Well, I think you get that circle where you kind of hit each side inside mm-hmm. of it, and you get kind of a, a smooth clank, clank, clank. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I mean, we've got you know Isn't violin concertos. Why don't we have triangle concertos? I don't even know if that's possible. Hey, that's an idea, man. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be avant-garde with like the means of production or whatever composition nowadays or so do it dude yeah. <laughs> you can do it somebody out there i need somebody you to send us you send yeah. us your uh, triangle, triangle composition concerto. we'll record it <laughs> and um, the mass parts that go along with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just don't lost, do that don't do that that'll get me in trouble there. um so question before we get rolling do you love autumn oh that's a good question i love autumn Mm-hmm. Um, our friend Father Trevor Lantian does not really. Um, I was telling, why do you and why well, does he not? I was telling him I just love autumn. It's a very nostalgic time of year for me. I think it's because autumn is like my New Year's because I've been in school for most of my life, and August is always the New Year. So whenever uh, school year that is right. So I think whenever fall comes around, it's just like man, there's new opportunities. There's a lot to come. There's like another baseball season coming up. Are we going to win the tournament this year? I don't know. So I think um, a bit of the nostalgic newness of the year for me. But then it's also just the greatest weather in Colorado. We get a little bit chilly mornings. And then by the time it's 10 o'clock, you're in a t-shirt if you want to be. Um, there's no other season that, like the spring, and have really nice days, and then it's blizzarding. The winter, just kind of cold, kind of boring after New Year's. Summer, you can get a little too hot sometimes. Fall is kind of perfect. I have, on that nostalgia note, I have this memory going through my head of how, I think it was Chris Caldwell and I, I don't know, one of those neighbor kids, we would fill up the bags as full as you could get them with leaves. And you got to crunch them down. You got to pack them tight. Because the game was, hit the other guy so hard that the bag breaks and the, <laughs> and the leaves <laughs> splash all over the lawn again. <laughs> And the best ones are those like really thin pumpkin ones <laughs> because they'll actually break. break. If you use like a hefty bag, yeah, it's almost impossible to break bludgeoning it. the guy with a... Unless you take it and um, pinata it with a baseball bat. Well, 
Did you ever? Is try... this a bad recommendation? Probably, probably for kids. <laughs> yeah, kids don't listen. Did you ever try and jump off of a roof into a pile of leaves? Yeah, or just right onto the grass. <laughs> it was very dangerous. Yeah. Don't no, do this. I don't, don't think you can home. go too far. No, I think even if you run and jump, you're gonna hit the ground. Yeah, we had a little. Uh, it was like a canopy overhang. It wasn't like the full roof height. It was just maybe six, seven feet above the ground. That was fun. I'd like sit off and jump into the leaf pile. Oh, I thought you were going to jump into the canopy. I was like, your mom's no, no, got to no, no. hate. No, no, no. Hate this game. Jumped off the canopy, like the roof, the the porch roof that oh, was yeah. lower. Something lower. So that it wasn't. Uh, or the steps. How about let's, let's work yeah. the steps. So if you're, if you're a kid listening to this, uh, just jump off the steps. And then I like, I like seeing the leaves change. Yeah. And this point of reflection on how Jesus says, lose your life. And it's hard to do, but it's beautiful. Yeah. You know? I was, uh, I think I got like three falls this year. I went up to the mountains in, what, three weeks ago, I think. Spent, a, spent the night up um, kind of in the front range area. And the trees were just starting to get like super, it was the aspens really. We're getting super golden brown, beautiful. Um, then we went to New York. And we got the fall, like, super dense forest, greens, reds, yellows all mixed together. Sometimes the leaves would come down on our yeah, heads while, while we were, we were walking. That was the best. Walking. I had one. We were walking. It was during our quiet time. And uh, really tall trees on either side. Not very windy at all. And at one point, I saw one leaf fall from, like, the very top of one of the trees and just float all the way mm. down in front of me. That was pretty epic. Gift from God. Yep. And then I thought, we all die alone. Oh. Which is a little heavy. Hey. But then I looked up and I said, well, it's kind of true. We're all in it together. Okay. No, I actually thought that the reflection I had It's kind of true, except the communion of saints and... Yeah, we don't actually die. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour Well, what do we do when we pray for a a holy death? Uh, Who's the patron of a holy death? Giuseppe. I thought it was St. Joseph. Yeah. Oh, Giuseppe, yeah. That's I don't speak Italian. I just came back from Rome. Right. But that's beside the point. We, I, I'll talk about that yeah. some other time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Joseph, he's the patron saint of holy death because he died with Mary and Jesus at his side. So you don't die alone. Um, but mm-hmm. I did love the trees. Uh, you look at the individual leaf after it falls, and they're kind of gnarly looking. They usually got holes in them, scratches. They're like half yellow, half brown. But when you step back and you look at all of them, even though each one's kind of ugly individually, it's like the most beautiful thing to see. Oh. So that was the true like, uh, fruit of that meditation. Poetic. <laughs> um, back to the You're romantic. Question. You're a poet. Dude, I'm sadly too romantic, I think, sometimes. Um, Father, what was Trevor, it? Father, oh, Trevor Father Trevor does not like fall because he says, oh, you like when things die. Um, he's a very summer guy. He just likes the warmth. That's the big thing. He likes the warmth. Okay. So, to each it his doesn't, own. And, and, well, it gets hot here yeah. sometimes. All right, question for you. Talk to me. I don't want to say what was the best, because that's a hard one to answer, but what is one of uh, your most useful gifts you've ever received? My brother gave me a Christmas present once, and I can't even remember what it was. I must have been just in college whatever it was i could appreciate music somewhat maybe in high school at the end some something like this 
and he recorded f- for me some dozen CDs with the greatest hits in his mind over the course of contemporary history. Um, what else, whatever, recorded stuff. I don't think there was a lot of like Tchaikovsky and things yeah. like that on there. But it was awesome, and it was a good education, and it was a thoughtful gift, and I listened to that stuff over and over and over and kept it for years. Nice. CDs kind of scratch and break down, and I lose them and all that. <laughs> but... It was super cool, and I love music, and I love recorded music, and the, um, yeah, the history and progression of music. When I was a kid, we used to listen to oldies on the radio when we were driving with um, mom and dad. They liked the oldies, so that was kind of revisiting that stuff and then following it through, and mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's the most useful. That's what came to mind anyway. Yeah. I don't know what else. Follow up. Black socks. What's one of the favorite gifts you've ever given? Wow. Now this is to my shame. (laughs) I'm trying to think of (laughs) one of the best gifts that I've ever given. I took my sister on the Camino of Santiago to Compostela, or I paid for her ticket or whatever and convinced her to come with. And it was one of the best memories that I have hanging with her, who's a very, very close friend of mine. And that, I think, was a gift. I think it counts. It's a gift. Yeah. yeah. You gave her not only the, the trip. Yeah, it was a memory the thing. The memory, the presence, the, yeah. the friendship. There you go. Um, Does that work? That's perfect. I asked that uh, out of curiosity, but also because today I want to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Here we go. Here we go. Can um, I name them? Quiz show. I was going to say, can you name them off the top of your head? Yeah. Um, knowledge, understanding, wisdom, counsel, fortitude, piety, and fear of the Lord. Yep. Although, there's another one? No. no the fruits have seven. another one that I yeah, always the fruits, forget. The fruits have more. Uh, these are the... Um, Gifts of the Holy Spirit, not to be confused with the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we get listed by Paul in Corinthians. Right. That's like um, administration and prophecy yeah, and teaching. And, teaching, yeah. Um, the difference. I don't uh, know why I start with administration. That's the most boring. <laughs> I always thought that was the worst one. It's like, oh, my, don't give me that one. Don't give me that one. Yeah, no offense to all no. you administrators. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is, uh, I just, we're, we're going over this in class, um, and it's come up in, in multiple classes, actually, for me. Uh, and so I just want to talk about the Holy Spirit um, in general, but particularly the gifts, um, and not the charismatic gifts. Um, the The charismatic gifts are given for um, the growth of faith in others. So these are for, at service of, of the church, um, other Christians. So you might have prophecy or healing or administration or teaching um, for the sake of building up the church, right? So it's the charismatic gifts roles and those are given as charisms to different people at different times for different reasons um, but the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit which we all receive uh, at baptism and are I, I don't even know quite how this works maybe you know better um, is it Isaiah 61 yeah it comes from Isaiah uh, it's the the spirit of the Lord and the gifts that come with the spirit of the Lord and so then we receive them in baptism but they're they're strengthened or sealed in confirmation. Um, and these these gifts... 
I've never quite known what that means. Yeah, me neither. So that'll be another <laughs> yeah, podcast yeah, after right. we do more study. Um, yeah, it's a tricky one. That the, the theology behind confirmation is still a little bit... Um, I've got some ideas about it, yeah, but yeah. anyway, don't want to sidetrack. Come on, babe. But... Come on. Uh, I love the, the ordering of them, uh, that four of them are ordered to the intellect, one of them is ordered to the will, and two of them are ordered to our affects or emotions. Um, and so if we look at them in kind of a, a generative or a generating order, um, I think you name them uh, starting with intellectual ones and then moving down. And that's usually how they're ordered. I think that's how they're ordered in Isaiah. So it's kind of the order of perfection, starting with the higher, moving to the mm. um, somewhat uh, you know, lower, it seems like a derogatory thing, but the lower powers. So we start with fear of the Lord. And fear of the Lord's not... Um, it's not like a um, run away, you know, I'm in a, it's, we're almost Halloween, right? It's not like a, I saw something scary and I'm running away. Yeah. Um, fear of the Lord, there's, there's two different types we kind of zero in on when we're talking about this. And the first is um, the servile fear, which is kind of, I'm afraid of, I know God is God. And I know that um, I could suffer punishment for my sins and I don't want to suffer that. Um, so that's one regard that is a bit of a fear of the Lord. It's a f- fear of the punishment injustice for my sinfulness. Or fear of offending God. Um, Does that count? Or but, is that the next one? But that's more the next one. Okay. So, Because uh, filial fear is then fear of being separated from God. Mm. So um, rather than it, – it's kind of the difference between I don't want to, you know, backtalk you, um, not because I'm afraid you'll find out and get angry at me, That'd be kind of the servile fear. So I don't want to gossip about you behind your back, but because we're friends, I don't want to gossip about you behind our, your back because that will fracture and harm our friendship. Um, so that's the, the offense versus... Mm. Um, so servile and filial. filial. And so filial, the fil- filial is a word for... Uh, son, sonship. sonly, or... Uh, yeah, family. Know, or filial is the, the relation between the uh, a parent or father and the son. Mm-hmm. Um, mother, daughter fits in there as well. Um, so that's where fear of the Lord comes. And so there's a bit where, you know, okay, maybe out of fear of punishment, we're moved. Uh, and that can be part of this gift operating that the Holy Spirit who's given us this gift, um, is operating to move us towards that filial fear. But since the Holy Spirit himself is love, the fruition of fear of the Lord is entering into the love of God where we don't want to be separated. We don't want to offend God. Um, this starts us. Yeah, one of the uh, the hardest things for me was it's more difficult to accept like punishment, like a spanking, than the parent saying, "I'm disappointed in you." Mm-hmm. Ah, that's harder. Yeah. Well, it there's feels a, like there's a kind of economic term. Um, a uh, a fine is a fee, and so there was a story I, I heard somewhere of. Um, this school was getting super frustrated because the the parents were arriving late to pick up kids. And so they s- implemented the next year, part of the contract was for every 15 minutes you were late, you were charged a fee, or sorry, a fine of, I don't know, four bucks, five bucks, whatever it was. Um, well, what happened was the parents started saying, oh, this is actually a fee. <laughs> It's a fee for childcare, oh, so more I see. parents actually started um, 
leaving their kids till later. And they're like, well, I can pay the 15 bucks. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's Babysitting. fine. That's fine. That's a great price. <laughs> oh, no. So I, think, so I think part of that punishment, it's like, you know, it's like, okay, well, I'll bear whatever punishment because I still kind of want to do my will mm. as opposed to the, oh, no, I, I harmed the relationship, right? Yeah. So there's a deeper and there's almost a, a greater fear of, of harming the relationship sure. than like suffering a fine or a spanking yeah. or whatever. Now, what about, um, I've heard this one also be defined as reverence. And I think there's something to that. I, well, yeah. on, on our pilgrimage, for some reason, the grace or, or the inspiration came to me to pray for greater reverence when we were around um, St. Catherine, St. Kateri, mm-hmm. Tekakwitha. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess reverence in my mind, or at least at that point, I still am reflecting on it, but was a kind of respect for I- important things or yeah. consecrated things. Yeah, I think that's going to fall more into um, piety, piety when we get there. Okay. But I think this is moving us. That 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 filial, if we move and we receive the filial fear of God, mm-hmm. it's going to move us uh, towards piety as well. Okay. Um, so the next one is fortitude, the gift of fortitude. All right. And this one's tricky because it's like there's a virtue of fortitude and there's a gift of fortitude. How are they different? Uh, I don't really know. Um, I'm not super strong. Uh, in that, so I'm not going to dive into it. But fortitude generally is perseverance through hard things. Uh, ultimately, the end is to uh, have fortitude in death with Christ. So, the all I guess the ultimate manifestation of fortitude would be accepting martyrdom. Um, and the moment of martyrdom, you know, you have to have fortitude, and Christ is with you. You know, you read the accounts of the early martyrs, and it's Christ is with him, supporting him, or supporting the martyrs, or. Um, Happy feast, by the way. Happy feast. Isaac Jogues and John de Brebeuf. That's when we're recording, so this is great. Um, The now can I can I take a lesser case of fortitude? Yep. So it's the courage to do something difficult or to endure something. Exactly. Persevere. Um, I like to recommend praying for a renewal in the gift of fortitude Mm -hmm. when people talk about lying in the confessional because we lie about either wanting to look better than we are or to avoid negative consequences. So I did something wrong. Now I got to lie to get myself out of it. And it's a fear. This is a fear that is, um, uh, it's, it's not the servile or the, the filial fear. It's like, it's just fear of punishment. It's fear of, um, I don't even know what it'd be called, but. And a lot of times it's rightful. Yeah. So I don't, I, yeah, I but, think I realized at some point that this is a brand of cowardice, lying, mm-hmm. and that we need fortitude. And it's okay to ask for fortitude. It's one of those things that's really like, at least for a guy, for me, it's embarrassing to think of myself as cowardly. Yeah. But I think it's okay. It's humble. You know, if you catch yourself lying or deceiving or a tendency toward that and pray for fortitude. But then you have this deeper case that you brought up. of So that's that's kind of like the end, but exactly where you went is where I was going is we have this gift, which gives us fortitude. And Christ says, there's no greater love than this to lay down one's life for his Mm -hmm. friends. Well, if we're going to manifest love, we're doing that at least in a way in every moment of our life. If we're manifesting love, laying um, down our life, laying our life down. Mm -hmm. So it might not be, uh, explicit martyrdom, but we talk about the, you know, the 
white martyrdom of saints who lived a, a long, you know, long life, and then, but journeyed with Christ, constantly laying their lives over, um, entering into the will of God. And I think of Mary, um, mother of Jesus, as an example of she also gave her life, um, but she it wasn't demanded of her on a cross or, you know, through a spear. Um, yeah, but absolutely. she experienced the piercing of her heart. Um, it's heaven sorrows. The sorrows. Yeah. And so there's a, there's a great unity of Mary's suffering and Christ's suffering that expresses kind of the ability to persevere boldly uh, in fortitude in the face of these sorrows, these pains, to the point of death. Um, yeah, stood by the cross, endured that yeah. stood absolute like injustice yeah. that her son was enduring. It's a terrible suffering. Um, and so that's where fortitude, you know, now that we've got fear of the Lord that is is entered into a love, um, awoken kind of or strengthened our hope, fortitude now moves us to to face those fears that want to pull us away from that. Um, so that's why we're kind of growing. They're progressing. That's now. still, fortitude is still a passion or is that yeah. the will? I think it's still in the passion. Okay. So, and then we hit the one that's ordered to the will and that's piety. Okay. Uh, and piety is also a virtue and a gift. Piety, as traditionally understood in the just the human virtues, you know, from Aristotle up to Thomas, piety is the honor and respect and defense due to your parents and your homeland. Um, so, piety is contr- or is not contrary, but is different than uh, the virtue of religion in the human virtues. But piety as a gift is in line of this filial fear this recognition of your sonship or your daughterhood in God. Uh, God as Father, I owe respect, reverence, honor, defense of his name. So piety is now, because of that love of a father or a child to the Father um, who is God, piety as a gift moves me uh, to honor God in all moments, in all things, in all things that I can do. And so piety then... And that's the will. That's the action. It's the honoring. now, Now I'm willing this honoring in everything. So I can, I can will a religious act, which is a sacrificial act, in anything I do. And so as I persevere... So when often we talk about piety is like, that guy's really prayerful. He mm-hmm. spends a lot of time in prayer or... Yeah. Yeah, respectful. I think it's interesting that homeland is in there. Mm-hmm. Or that's like worthy of defining inside of yeah. that. And but, so this is where, again, right to the point, what you're talking about a reverence for holy things and holy places... The homeland, our homeland is the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, the kingdom of God, which will come, um, the new heavens, the new earth. Uh, Augustine talks about the city of God and the city of man. So we're, we're citizens through baptism of the city of God. And so yet there's a reverence and a respect and an honor and a fighting for God, the Father, but also the homeland, the city of God, mm. which includes all these holy things. And so a reverence... And praying for a reverence, I think, is, is piety. Because now, because of the love that you experienced, um, you want to make an act of your will to reverence this or praise this or honor this or defend this. Um, and so it's funny because then the will becomes kind of the, the first move into our actions and even then makes us want to desire to know more so that we can love more. So in the order of the intellect, philosophically, um, the order is uh, intellect knows, and once I know something, I can now love it. 
But in the gifts, there's this kind of correction of the affections towards mm. God so that we can love him. And then once we're loving him, we now uh, get to the higher gifts of counsel, um, understanding, knowledge, and then ultimately wisdom. And counsel is then a directive. Wait a minute. Don't go on. Stop. Go. Are you still piety? We'll go to piety. Stay there. Okay. So the act of the will is to honor something, and it's respect expressed to parents, homeland, and then holy things. And you've just described like the New Jerusalem as infusing a lot of different things on this side. And we've talked about incarnational mm-hmm. um, metaphysics, understanding God incarnate in lots of ways and lots of things. And it makes me think of how part of piety is honoring people and that in the, the way that they interact with God. So I want to respect someone else's faith, hope, and love and protect that. And I think an affront to this piety can be, I presume that my way is the best way and I'm going to judge other people, which in some way is a disrespect for the way that God has worked in their life or the kind of place that they're at in their journey and a presumption that I know better and maybe the remedy. So one thing is stop judging. Like Jesus <laughs> said that, right? Um, because God is going to work differently in different people and in different ways. And you don't know. So you got to be really respectful toward when people express where they're at or how they pray or their opinions about religious things or these kinds of things. And so stop judging and then honor, mm-hmm. honor when you see God at work or someone trying to engage, then you try to recognize the best in it and even uh, name that and praise God for it and praise a person for it, the way the graces that God's working in their life. And I say that because I'm very tempted toward judgment. And there's one thing where Paul says, be patient with those whose faith is weak. Mm-hmm. And part of me on a negative way, um, not a, I don't know how to say that. Um, on the, well, says, well, endure where people are being foolish or they just don't, like they're annoying because their faith is immature or the way that they talk about God is uninformed or their, you know, for whatever reason, their opinion could be different than mine. So I say that not trying to be condescending, but just recognizing there's a lot of division in the church and in part, that's like are not respecting each other's um, kind of walk and that God can work differently in other people and that we can be wrong. And so out of respect for other people who Christ is living in is a respect for Christ and to honor the best in them, to, 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 to want to see the best, to give someone the benefit of the doubt in some way can be respect for Christ. Mm-hmm. It can be an exercise of piety. Oh, in a great way. And here's what's really cool about it is we, we just talked about how piety, when it's the gift, it's ordered to God as Father, right? Um, well, if you are, uh, if, if somebody's your father and another person has the same father, what does that make you? Brothers or sisters. Right. Right? So piety actually falls you know, here as well, that in baptism, 
uh, specifically, we are entered into the body of Christ. We become brothers with Christ, brothers and sisters. Um, but the promise of redemption, the promise of salvation for the nations was given to Abraham for all of the nations. This was before Israel was the chosen people. This is Abraham has the promise. Mm. Um, so within this God is father of all of creation, um, there's, that's the only place, that's the only place that we can find actual brotherhood with all men is with God as father. Mm. Um, there, you have to have a common father to be brothers. And the state and ideology is not strong not enough to father. be a father. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, but that's where your, your homeland uh, falls into piety on the natural level because there is a certain element of your homeland is your fatherland is what we call it. So that's why there's a respect of the, the homeland inside of piety. But the homeland is a, is a uniting factor for people that you came from this place. But the governing body, the power it be, the ideology, wherever, uh, is not a father. And it can't be. And that's what so many of the, the disorders of the last 300 years um, with any of your IST, you know, fascist, communist, whatever, yeah. um, uh, uh, socialist, materialist, um, you know, whatever the, the ist might be, trying to claim a fatherhood. I mean, even capitalist is trying to claim an authority over a people, but it's not a father. And so we've got kind of this humanism that wants brotherhood among all men, but is also getting rid of the common father. Yeah. which is God. And so only in God can we actually love and respect and tolerate and um, honor, honor yeah. the brother that annoys us. Because in every other situation, the brother that annoys us or, or uh, fights against our, our idea, like the solution is to silence them, to kill them. Uh, Brothers Karamazov, there's the character that he's a communist and he expresses, the more I profess to love uh, the humanity as a whole, the more I hate the brother at my side mm. because he's getting in the way of my beautiful system of everybody being yeah. in, in sync, right? Yeah, the, the ist. So, okay. I, I love that. That was good. Good tangent. Um, but then we get into the, uh, the gifts that affect or strengthen the intellect. And so first is counsel, which has a direct relation to our conscience, uh, which is the uh, act of apprehension of what we ought, or not what we ought, but the apprehension of what we should do in in any particular moral situation. The conscience um, gives us this yes or no um, counsel. Uh, so conscience needs to be formed. Uh, that's, we believe that um, consciences need to be formed by study, by truth, by prayer, by conversion. So counsel is the gift of the Holy Spirit, which kind of infuses uh, the knowledge of I shouldn't do that or I should go do that now. So counsel mm. is a, it kind of quickens your ability to discern and act with uh, what's called the practical reason. So the reason ordered towards action. Uh, the counsel is what, I guess, yeah, speeds that up or, or makes it more Is that more, the same thing assured. as prudence? Don't we talk about yeah, prudence? Yeah, so, so it, it order and prudence. So it's kind of like the divine, um, I don't know, it's like, 
it's like when you hit the nos in the car to make it go faster. It's yeah, like the nos hitting, faster than the hit, fear. Hit, hitting he your is. prudence. <laughs> and I tend to think of counsel as something you t- can say to somebody else to help them, either recognizing the circumstances or informed by your own good conscience. Yeah. But I, I think so. I think it's much. interesting that you're you're saying yeah. more. It's like our something inside of us, our conscience, our mind. Yeah, because I think conforming our own action. Counsel on like the human level is um, receiving or speaking uh, advice for another to follow, um, or receiving the advice somebody has given me. Yeah. Counsel as a gift from the Holy Spirit is that for us. So. Cool. You should do this. Yeah, I don't think know, of it here. like that. Um, but then also the gift is to receive that counsel. And I had, you know, just a personal anecdote. I was a couple weeks ago, I had a, a um, lot of work that I'd been doing and I got back home and uh, I was just like, man, I should check. I can't even remember what it was. I think it was some baseball scores at first. And then I had this thought of like, I wonder what this celebrity's up to. And then there's like just other like just purely like distracting thoughts, no no purpose whatsoever. That I was like, I should go, I should go Google that. I should see what's up with this person or that story. I remember like the Johnny Depp Amber Heard or something. I don't know something that like had no real significance for me. And it's like ten thirty at night, and I should just go to bed. And I walk into the house, and this is these are the thoughts that are going through my mind. Like I need to go look that up. I need to go check that. And and I just kind of had this what seemed like a spark of inspiration come and say, just turn your phone off now. Yeah. Because if I had gone up to my room and popped up the MLB app and then swiped over to, you know, YouTube or whatever, who knows? It's like an hour and a half later. Yeah. Yeah. The I'm, rabbit I'm hole. I'm done with the rabbit hole and I, it's midnight and I've, you know, behind on sleep the next day. So there's this council mm. to say, just turn the phone off here and you'll, you'll defeat, this distraction now. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Um, I, that happened. I'm sure I've heard many other times where I have a counsel and I just ignore it. Cause I'm like, nah, I'd rather, sure, yeah. <laughs> but that's a, That was that's a temptation a, 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 a for a particular everybody. moment of like, Oh, that was counsel. It's a good example. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I th- am thinking about the, the way that there's a, a concept called the sensus fide, where it, there's somehow, it's very hard to define, but is there something that we can recognize because we have a shared spirit that Christians can recognize the truth in mass? It's not a democratic thing. It's, that's why it's hard to define, but that when you hear something Christian, you say, yeah, that does sound Christian. Well, I don't have a huge collection in my my mind necessarily that's, that is um, all the all of the books that I can weigh these kind of ideas against. But there is something that can be different about a Christian response to a situation rather than a worldly, even prudential mm-hmm. response where I might know that it's, it's wise or receive the counsel or read a self-help book that says I need to put this, this person in their place because it would make me happier, more mm-hmm. content, more, um, whatever, safe. Um, well, don't compromise your safety. That's <laughs> just a confusing thing to say. So, but, uh, I will feel more peace of mind. I yeah. will feel better. And 
sometimes that's helpful. Sometimes that that kind of wisdom is great, and if you can get good at it, it can be make for a lot of healthy relationships and yeah, a lot of peace of mind. It can be a sense mind. of somebody speaks something, and you're like, "That's not, that's not Christian." I hear, that's, yeah, that's, that's, but that's then not. you hear somebody says, "No, I want you to do something different. You mm-hmm. should, um, you should have compassion on them, mm-hmm. walk walk with them. You should put up with this in long suffering. You should mm-hmm. forgive." when forgiveness isn't advised on a worldly level and you just know, yep, that's right. Yeah. Cause I have that same spirit and that spirit will recognize and hear it's the spirit of God. You hear the word of God. It will hear the same spirit speaking in someone else, the voice mm-hmm. of prophecy saying, Hey, no, there's a higher way. Right. Yeah. Good, good. So now we jump to, we're kind of running out of time, but we'll, do, uh, we'll do understanding and knowledge kind of together, which um, kind of strengthen our, our ability to see created things uh, as they are and how they're related to God uh, and to each other. Um, so it expands from a reducted kind of scientific knowledge of things in their parts and in their causes and sees them more in relation to the creator who created them. Uh, and then so that's more the knowledge and then understanding is how all of those things point back to God in some way. So the knowledge is kind of the, that they were created by the primary cause of God. And the understanding is that it, these now speak something of God. Mm. Um, kind of from the things themselves uh, in the order of knowing. And so this is the Holy Spirit's work in us as a gift to start to see God and reverence God in all the vestiges of his action, Mm. in his creation, uh, what he has left to speak of himself, uh, the revelation of creation, which then points to wisdom, which is knowledge of God as God and God in God. And so through wisdom... We actually see all things in God, not all things as pointing to God, but seeing all things as God sees them, um, but also then seeing God more as God is. And so that's, this is why it's the highest, because this is the, um, in a way, the, the, the foretaste of the beatific vision, that we are already seeing God uh, with the illumination of the Holy Spirit in a way that will be something even more profound in the fulfillment of uh, the promise to see God as he is and to be like him because we see him as he is. So wisdom is this entering into seeing God in the world with like God's eyes. Mm. Um, and so the, the three kind of knowledges, which are the highest, and then the practical, the will uh, to, to love, to choose, uh, which perseveres through challenging things because of the fear of not being in relationship to the, to the father. So that's the, schema. that's the schema. Yeah. I've never thought of them as like logically um, sequential and, but just like a collection of cool mm-hmm. gifts. Which I never could remember them. I'd have to like drill cause catechism class. I had to repeat them. Theology class, high school, I had to repeat them. But it's, I, I never saw the connection. But it was so much easier for me. Like, okay, there's four order to the intellect, one to the will, and two to the affections. And then I can. You're such see a philosopher. How they're, how they're reacting. Taxonomist. I know. 
But now I can remember them it's without, great. without looking them up. And and what's more is they were just a list in my memorization. I've mm-hmm. learned a lot about these things, both, I think, intellectually in books and mm-hmm. also through a lot of experience of um, my own life and trying to help other people in the, in the Christian life. But I didn't know of that, yeah, that kind of categorization or movement from this the Holy Spirit ordering things. The Holy Spirit was resting over the waters at the time of creation, and then Mm -hmm. God speaks and starts creating things and says, let there be light, and let the light be separated from the darkness. And the whole picture of Genesis is an ordering, ordering in the, um, the direction of the most beautiful thing, which was the creation of human beings in the image and likeness of God. And there's something here that you're leading from the passions up to that wisdom that's fantastic. And that's kind of like that step into heaven. And each of them are somehow mm-hmm. like this supernatural connection. But I love that crown of wisdom. Yeah. Um, can you name the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There you go. Um, Those so, are the ones that I get kind of mixed up at yeah. the end. And I don't know the ordering of this. I haven't dove, dove into it in the same way. But all of this, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, strengthen and, and perpetuate the life in the Spirit that we have from baptism, strengthen through confirmation, through uh, reception of the Eucharist. You know, it's the Spirit of God in us for the Christian life, moving us to God. Um, as we enter into that life more, the fruits of the Spirit are manifest. The fruits of the world are, or the works of the world, as Paul would say them, start to be wiped away. Mm. And so the works of the world are concerned with death and their, you know, sin and death and their enslaving, whereas the works of this, or the fruits, more so of the Spirit, are freeing. Mm. Um, and it was Father Jim uh, preached a homily at our house, and he, it was really cool because he just basically, we, we had a reading that had some of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And he just asked us the simple question. He's like, most of us probably want some huge, like impressive, charismatic gift or mystical prayer experience. You know, we want, we want to be the ones who have Jesus appear to us in prayer and speak some, some word for the world or have a Marian apparition or, um, or the priest that reads souls yeah. and yeah. smells the exactly. fragrance of grace. Yeah. Or, you know, prophecy or healing, you know, miraculous healings, the ability to do this. And he says, but with so much discord and so much fear and so much anxiety and so much of all of these things that are works of the world in the world, how beautiful is it? have the fruits of the spirit would you not want peace patience gentleness kindness self-control you know Mm -hmm. would these actually be more profound for your life and better for your life because they're not ordered to your ego yeah (laughs) in the way that you want them at least right there you attribute them to the holy spirit yep and so i it just kind of like it was a change and i was like yeah you know, I think, I think, yeah, I actually want those more now. I want to live in peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control, you know. You have a favorite um, you pray for? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, <laughs> gentleness, and self-control? Uh, probably <laughs> peace and patience. 
Nice. I don't, I don't think I look like a very impatient person externally because I've controlled it internally, but it's usually just like, oh, come on, man, just get it already. Or just go do that thing. Or, um, so, yeah, well, in- internal patience is not Well, you can work against your um, temperament or whatever. But that's also the, the, these, the fruits of the Holy Spirit come from receiving the gifts, operating in the virtues, um, and you pray for the strength to do that. And then what happens? The fruits of that is that, oh, I'm experiencing peace. Where there used to be anxiety, I now experience peace. Sir. It's great. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I had a great conversation with Father Daniel Eusterman. Congratulations. He defended his doctorate. He's a good friend and a companion, and I'm um, really proud of him. And He did a great job. Um, he wrote on and did research on a prayer of consecration over the chrism, um, called the Miron mm-hmm. in this Byzantine consecration prayer that he was working on. And maybe we'll get him in here and he can talk about it himself. But um, it, it brought up conversations. I had a great conversation with his director, this priest of um, Santa Croce, the Opus Dei school. And he was telling me all about how the Holy Spirit works in the sacraments. And I was just like blown away, mm-hmm. man, this Holy Spirit is so alive. It's very elusive. So it's hard to track in life. And I tend to think more in the categories of um, consolation, desolation, these general principles of prayer and whether they're going well with God. But to really pay attention to these gifts could be a real cause of celebration. The Holy Spirit's really doing stuff with my heart, my life, you know, for myself and for other people. I think a a point on the Holy Spirit, and back to a point of, what you were talking about of, of patience and um, honoring those around you and, and trying and like the humility to say, I might not have it all perfect and somebody else doesn't. And this isn't a relativizing of truth of like, well, since I can't be sure of my truth hundred percent and theirs looks like it's not, there's no sure, truth. Sure. Yes. You know, it's, it's not a relativizing of truth, but a, a journeying with um, for the sake of trying to actually understand truth, which isn't just fighting down the opposing opinion, but, maybe becoming the best opponent of my own position uh, before I fight it (laughs) Hmm. um, is a humble position to take. Um, But the Holy Spirit is a principle of unity. The Holy Spirit is the communion of the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is called Holy and Spirit because it's the, what the Father and the Son share together, being both Holy and both Spirit. He's the communion, uh, the gift given between the two. Um, It's the, I'm going to get in trouble by Trinitarian theologians no, if I go it too much like farther. But, it sounds um, like you're doing but well. But the Holy Spirit is the source of communion and unity yeah. and, and abiding. That's what it, the, the Holy Spirit is, yeah. is and, the unity. And so that unity, um, a lot of times, you know, we think of the Holy Spirit, you know, there's there's many names for him because the Holy Spirit's unexpected at times, or the wild goose or... Um, you know, I like like, like, a, like a flame or the dove, you know, flittering around. There's like it's there's something kind of intangible. You can't quite put it in a box. But the Holy Spirit is also the source of unity. So it's not this discord. It's not, you know, Christians running off with private inspiration. Where there is discord and disunity, it'd be very hard for you to convince me that the Holy Spirit is operating in your movement mm. if you're creating discord and disunity. And I have to look at that myself personally. Like, where am I creating discord, disunity in the seminary, in the companions, in my family? Because that's not the Holy Spirit working in the world. 
and that's not the fruits working in, uh, you know, coming forth from me. That's the works of the world. And I don't mean to say just for the, you know, sake of the, the audience or the whatever listener land. <laughs> uh, maybe you have piety for listener land. Um, <laughs> I could. Go I on. don't mean to say that you have to uh, pretend that everyone else is right. Yeah. Right. So they could be wrong, and I'm not saying call wrong right. Exactly. They could be wrong about a ton of stuff, but this is more like try to celebrate where they're right and recognize mm-hmm. that people are mixed. There's a lot yeah. to them, and they're not just their wrong opinion or that there isn't a whole collection of mm-hmm. you can be wrong about important, you can be wrong about a lot. And then where does the Holy Spirit want to draw your attention? Is that to obsess over the wrong of another or yeah. to, and, and I to, to see the best and to honor that? that I, I believe there's good, better, and best as well, right? And so I think there's a lot of dialogue to have about like, yeah, this is fine that we're doing this, but could we do this better? And what's the best way of doing this? Um, you know, there's, there's in canonical norms, liturgical norms, there's you, uh, you must do this. <laughs> you shall do this. You may do this. <laughs> um, there's a little bit of a wiggle, but it's like, yeah. we should seek to do the better. Um, and it's not a, it's not a relativizing of truth. Like you said, like I said of, well, sure. What you believe that's good. Now it's true. You don't affirm it's good, but, uh, if it's not, but there's right. a, a journey with it. And them. I disagree and, with a lot of great yeah. priests yeah. in my community and elsewhere yeah. about some things. But there's but there's more that unifies us, obviously. And am I going to worry about those, obsess about those, yeah. insist on fixing my brother before I honor him? Yeah. No. That's and the, in that honoring, that journeying, I think both will be mutually enriched and eventually kind of drive down to the, the core truth. Because I think, especially when people latch on to something, there was there's a true something at the core of it um, that might've been built off in. Yeah. They had some experience. And if we can get down to, okay, what are you trying to hold on to that? You know, this, this good or beautiful or true experience. Um, Anyway, we could, Hey, that's great, man. I appreciate it. I think this is one, like the real reason, the rationale in my mind for starting the, podcast was we were nearing the end of seminary and we were learning so much stuff and I thought well I'd like to share some of that stuff and it's not the kind of thing necessarily that you would preach about Mm -hmm. because maybe it's too long or you can't have a conversation or you're working out the ideas or whatever and this seems perfect to me man yeah yeah bringing it back around where I'm learning stuff and (laughs) I'm learning what you're learning yeah and it's fun to work it out and kind of think you know some of these connections are my own kind of working connections now. This isn't all, I'm not reading off a sheet of, um, you know, catechism pages or something, but. Um, Playing along with the symphony of But I am working, I'm working with John Paul II's catechesis on the Holy Spirit. So I'm, cool. in, I'm in good company. Most of what I presented was. If you were an, an instrument in the symphony right now, would it be triangle or other? Right now, I think it'd be other. In my pride, I want to be the virtuoso violinist, first chair. Oh, that's, that's also so what I beautiful man. That's also what I play. I play violin. Oh, you do? Yeah, that's cool. I'm not a virtuoso violinist. I could probably play like part six on the the back row, dude. As long as you can get in, <laughs> if your if your chair like thousand and eight <laughs> in heaven, hey, you're in cruising, dude. <laughs> Happy to play. Good, good. Well, thanks for listening, listener land. It's been Catholic stuff. You, you got know. shout outs or what? Oh shoot. 
I don't. You I'll don't. give one. Father Greg Lesher, I saw you in the hall today, and he, he's he, we went to seminary together. He is a military chaplain in the Navy, and he's working in Bahrain. And I uh, haven't seen him for years on account of this work. He's doing, you know, he's carrying out the mission for the Lord out there. And I remember he took me on a bike ride once in seminary. And he had biked across the country or something like that. And he had a tricycle, which was like right next to the, it's called recumbent. It's like right on the ground. You're kind of chill, laying back in this chair. And then you're, um, you're biking. And he took me on a ride. He said, oh, well, you want to do the long ride or the short ride? <laughs> and I said, well, we, maybe we should do the short ride. I don't ride a lot of distance. And I like riding bikes, but whatever. I almost died coming back. <laughs> and then I said, well, how far, how far did we go? And I think the short one was supposed to be like 40 miles and the long one 60 miles. And he was like, oh, maybe 63 miles. <laughs> and I was so mad because my body hurt so much. And... Now I'm very grateful because I've really gotten into biking, as you know. And you can do over 63 miles. And I can do a lot more. (laughs) Um, But maybe caught the bug, baby. I'm going to shout out Father Colin Easton of the Rockford Diocese, Rockford, Illinois. Uh, Good friend of mine. Um, He was at Steubenville a little before me, but stayed in touch and would come visit. So I got to know him when I was out there at Steubenville. Ordained to the Diocese of uh, Rockford. And he's... uh, a priest who lives his priesthood, uh, striving to listen to the Holy Spirit's inspiration at all times. So, a bit of like a charismatic mystic. Here we type. go. So, shout out to him. Prayers for him. Praise God. What did my sister says, don't shove the dove, people. All right. Happy feast. Take care. <laughs>